Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. This is Sam Tielemans, and today I feel this sense of kind of heaviness after I just read something online. I'm in a bunch of therapist groups, uh, Facebook groups, and I just read a post that uh, my heart goes out to this individual. And so one of my mentors posted that there's going to be kind of like a, a prayer and I don't know how to even describe it. Just every tomorrow, anybody who wants to participate at nine o'clock is going to, is invited to participate in a prayer or a meditation or uh, just like a 10 minute sign of support where you're sending love and thought and appreciation because there's a, an individual in our field who's had an immeasurable influence on the lives of literally tens of thousands of couples and thousands of therapists alike. So there's different mentors that I have and one's a, a trainer. I went to a training about 10 years ago that, that changed my career and her trainer her name is Sue Johnson, so you've heard me reference her on the podcast before. She's the person who developed an approach to therapy that is by far and away the most effective approach that we have research on. And so she's trained a bunch of trainers, who, and the trainers go out and train a bunch of therapists. So I'm one of the therapists that have been trained by a trainer who Sue Johnson personally coached and trained. Now, if you don't know who that is, she's written multiple books and she is one of them's called hold me tight another one's called love sense and the work that she's been doing over the past handful of decades has literally changed the course of thousands and thousands of people's lives because she's helping people understand the process and training therapists to help couples with the process of reconnecting building a greater sense of trust building a sense of connection and closeness, repairing damage when it occurs. And she's done so much research and has piggybacked off of the research of a pioneer in the field who talks about what they call attachment theory. Now, attachment theory is essentially the idea that we as human beings are wired for connection. This is why uh, this, this, the theme of this podcast is connecting with your spouse, healing from betrayal, with his participation is one of the fastest ways to be able to overcome not only the trauma, but it also helps to heal addiction because addiction, if you follow it along for any length of time, is a coping mechanism. And one of the best ways for us as human beings to cope is to connect with another person. And so many people grow up without the ability to, or rather they grow up not having developed the ability to connect because that was never modeled for them. They didn't feel like they had a connected relationship with their parents or didn't feel like they could open up and talk and emotion wasn't prioritized and valued. So they learned to shut it down and they learned to avoid and cope as an individual using unhealthy coping mechanisms. So the point of me saying all of this is, is that Sue Johnson is like, she she has such an, a massive influence on so many therapists and couples through her work. And my trainer, posted saying that there's a, a remote prayer and healing session or uh, gathering that's going to be taking place tomorrow because Sue Johnson has just a few months ago found out she has a tumor in her eye, an aggressive tumor, she says. And then uh, I just found out all of this like 20 minutes ago that she's going to have to have her eye removed altogether. 
And this has got to be a terrifying time for her. And so I, I just did a little, I pulled up something, a blog that she had written just recently. And I wanted to share with you a few things because I feel, feel like it's very relevant for the path that all of you are on in terms of being able to heal. And one of the things that she says in her blog, as she just describes her experience and what's going on, is that these moments of raw vulnerability come up for everybody. And she feels totally helpless. And she goes on to say that as if your life is over, it's one of the great struggles for all of us is to answer the question, how can I find a way through this darkness? And then she says that fear is a program for escape. But what if there's no escape? Then this is torment. So then she goes on to describe how she finds out that during this time of her moving into this retired lifestyle, She's in her 70s now. She has an aggressive tumor in her eye and the eye needs to be removed. And she says that in moments of, you know, she's writing this and says, when I say this, see this on on print and I say this out loud, I feel like a reasonable adult and it feels like it's manageable, but this is not what I feel at 5 a.m. in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, 5 a.m. with my guts churning and I'm drowning in a sea of anguish. She said her remaining eye works, but it's not that great, which then stokes this fear that someday she'll be blind. And then her greater fear is that the tumor could spread somewhere else. Then she feels like she's a child of about four years old, curled into a fetal position. And her brain says, this is what it must be, what they say, the dark night of the soul. She scrambles to find perspective, but she cannot find any solid to ground, solid ground to stand on. And so she says, most people in these moments, they, they pray. And people who believe in God will reach out and try to connect with him and find some comfort or meaning or perspective or reassurance in these moments. And this is a part that struck me because she's always, always linking things back to attachment and the way that connection changes our neurochemistry and it shapes our brain. She says that ritual gives a sense of order and a sense of control and it gives us something that we can do, like a choice. And repetition, she says, is calming because it offers the brain predictability. Just like nursery rhymes when somebody rocks us, we hear the same sounds over and over again, and it soothes our nervous system. And as she's going through this whole process of trying to make sense of this, She's linking in, I, get, I guess I kind of get like a, a window into her mind because of how she sees the world given all of her work and her research and reading. She knows that at the core of all of who we are as people is we reach for connection. And she links it to our early experiences, again, as a, as a parent and a child. If we have had parents or loved ones who have created that experience of predictability and soothing and calm through being present or singing or dancing or just grounding you as a child. And she then reflects on the times where she was swinging in her garden on the swings, singing the same simple songs over and over again. And she realizes that, or rather she reflects on the fact that there is a way to find comfort in these very dark moments. And as an attachment theorist and researcher, all these threads, she says, tie into and reflect the most basic biological survival code of all, 
that being with another person who is present and loving is the most is the most powerful defense that we have when it comes to facing difficulty. Again, going on and reading what she's saying, to be rocked in the arms of a loved one, to feel a, a loving hand on your face, to hear a whisper and a soft voice telling you that you're precious and you're not alone. This is what our nervous system longs for. This is what takes us beyond fear and beyond lost. And maybe this is what the poet means when, sh- when they say, love is not everything, it's the only thing. And so then she reflects on the fact that soon she'll be in a hospital bed where her loved ones are not going to be able to walk in and hold her. And so she then uses her experiences of having these connections, these memories, and she writes that story internally and holds on to those experiences and then she can pull them up when she needs them. And then at the end of the blog, she says, I invite you to remember a time when you were comforted by somebody, when somebody held you and made you feel precious. She says, go into that scene and make it felt and remember the hand on your face exactly where it was placed, how it warmed your skin. Breathe as if you see it and feel it and hear those words that are said to the small, fragile self of you and let them expand and echo in your heart. And stay there as long as you can. This is home. Belonging makes us strong. The last line she says, It's cliche, but there's really only one way to truly face the demons of life. It's together, close together, holding each other tight. Now when I read this, I can't help but feel how true all of these things are that she's saying. The difficulties that we go through as people can be completely overwhelming. And what makes it even more so is when we feel like we're doing it alone. And I know that many of you listening might feel that that's exactly what's happening for you, that you're going through this process of healing, whether it's with regard to the trauma or addiction or the the pain in the relationship or in any other area of your life where you might be struggling. So the reason why I wanted to make this episode today was to remind everybody how critical it is for our emotional and psychological well-being to go through and face these demons of life with somebody else. And so that begs the question, if you're in a position where you don't have a somebody else, what do you do? Or if the somebody else who you do have is the one who inflicted pain by their decisions, what do you do? And I think this is so often where people find themselves where Somebody who's developed an addiction hasn't known how to reach out and connect with other people effectively. So many men that I work with, they have experiences when they're young where they learn that emotion is dangerous and that they can't count on other people and that they're made fun of if they're open and vulnerable or there's something wrong with them if they feel and they're told to be a, be a, you know, be a man, man up, wipe your tears off your face, stop crying. And they're told to shut their feelings down. So they never then develop the skill to connect with the people who are around them because they were never given that space. Now, when they get married, they don't automatically develop that skill. And so often men will tell me, I don't have, I I don't feel like I can turn to anybody. And their wife in tears, sitting next to them on the couch with us, with him, says, I've been here our entire marriage. You've never let me in. 
And sometimes it's hard for the women to understand that even though she's present and willing and wants to connect with him, the other side of the equation is him knowing how to reach out and let her in. And the side where she's on is that her husband becomes a source not only of comfort, but after finding out about the addiction, becomes a source of pain for her which is what's so crazy making and confusing because the person that she longs to turn to the most is now a source of extreme pain. And when there's a lack of trust and there's that confusion, it can be so difficult for her to navigate. And so what do you do if you're in this position? Number one, it's critical that we find somebody that we can turn to. And ideally, it's our spouse. If you're listening to this podcast, this is more specific to people where they want to be able to move forward together and there is some degree of willingness at the very least for the husband to participate. I know that there are many women whose husbands will absolutely not participate and they refuse to do anything. They won't acknowledge the problem. They don't take any responsibility. They minimize it and say this isn't a big deal and they say that they're not going to change. The path forward, I don't know how many listeners are in that particular position, but if that is you, the path forward is then to find a network of support that you can turn to and reach out for help. Because as I just reflected on, or rather read parts of Sue Johnson's blog, and again, there's so much research that validates the truth of what she's saying. This is where she gets all of her thoughts is the research that she's done and reading the research of other therapists and, and researchers is that we have to have a network of support. And even if, when I say network, it, it can come down to a network of one. So if you have a friend or a family member or somebody that you can turn to, to get that support, this is where groups can be very, very helpful. I think without having anybody in your corner, life feels completely overwhelming and our brain has to work harder to navigate going through challenges alone. So if you have anybody that you can turn to, this is what's so necessary so you can gather the strength and feel supported as you're then navigating what do you do in your relationship. Now, some people get to the point where they say, if my husband is not going to change, then I can't stay. And that makes perfect sense to me why they would get there. And I would feel the same way. Before people make that decision, I'm always hopeful and, and hope and encourage the husband to realize the potential loss that he faces if he does not acknowledge this. And some people still choose not to, and then they, they then lose their relationship with their spouse. Many people, I think, are in a different place who are listening to this podcast where their husband has some degree of accountability and some degree of desire to change. And so if you're in that position, what do you do? I think the thing that you do is learn how to process things together and navigate life's challenges together. And the first thing that you might need to learn how to process together is working through the pain of the addiction and solving that and eliminating that from your relationship and from his life. And as you do that, you can work together to rebuild the trust and rebuild the connection, which is the greatest buffer against addiction and trauma. Because Johan Hari, who's another researcher, says that the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. It's the greatest resource that we have as human beings 
And so when we feel overwhelmed or stressed or not enough or like there's something wrong with us or unworthy, that is often why men turn to some kind of a behavior or substance, men or women both. It's not, I guess we're talking about it in the context of men in this addiction. But this is why we turn to something or some substance to, to, to soothe how we feel or rather to drown it out. And so the process to heal for both him and her involves developing and learning how to connect with one another. And there's a way to do it where you don't have to continue to put yourself in a position of being hurt and you open up and then it's completely disregarded and then you feel like that that was pointless and why did it open up? Because it didn't even matter to him or her. There's a process that you can go through that I've seen so many couples go through and it's such an amazing, I, I love seeing change occur in, in such a short amount of time because again, we're just aligning with this hardwired longing that we all have and then being able to share with couples tools and direction so they can then know how to align with it and know what the process is and know how to come together in a way that feels safe and comfortable. I think that is then such a high priority to then help work through any of these other facets that must be worked through as you're navigating this difficult path. I wanted to share this because I thought this was relevant for anybody, no matter what stage of life they're in, we all go through difficulties. And one of the greatest skills that you can develop is the ability to know how to connect with your significant other or some other, whether it's your spouse or a significant other person in your life. That is the one of the greatest skills that you can develop. And it absolutely is something that anybody can develop with giving it the attention and having the direction that you need to be able to get that skill because life then becomes so much more manageable. Again, as I reflect on my, my this, this mentor, Sue Johnson, her, her, this transition or rather this, this loss that she's experiencing is mitigated by all of what she knows and the network of support that she has and the support that she has from her family. So I know that there are darker points on this path for everybody. And there are some stages where it feels easier, which is great. And there are some stages where it feels much, much more difficult. So I think leaning in and learning how to develop this skill and leveraging it. This is why I think this traditional way of going about it of separating husbands and wives from one another, I think is just such a, it's a flaw in the process. I think group serves a purpose of developing this network of support because it's so helpful to have, if we, we, we start with one and then we can build from there. And so having a group of friends or community who know what you're going through is a massively, I, I can't underscore how valuable that is. But when husbands and wives are separated and they're not taught how to come back together, I think that just does such a massive disservice to that couple. And so I hope that as you've been listening, that you've been getting some direction and tools and understanding as to how to come back together and that you can do it in conjunction with your individual processing and your individual work. It just puts you in, in a position to heal at such a more rapid rate and more thoroughly because you're leveraging this inborn survival 
mechanism that we all have with this need to connect with a significant other person and learning how to do that with your spouse is such a benefit individually and for the relationship. So wherever you are in the process, I would encourage you as you reflect on just where you are and as you think about this today, I feel like this is a little, this is more poignant for me because of the connection that I have with this person, with Sue Johnson. But wherever you are in your process, I would encourage you to then figure out, does that involve learning the skills to connect with your partner? Or if you've been developing those skills, does that involve making sure that you leverage the relationship for your individual support so you can grow within that relationship individually and it also strengthens the relationship at the same time when you turn to your partner and they're there for you, it benefits both of you because you then feel closer and develop a greater sense of trust and connection with them. So whether you're learning how to develop those skills or if this is just a reminder to leverage those, I hope that as you are continuing to work through this, that you keep that in mind, that that's one of the most stabilizing and grounding tools that you can reach for is support with another person so that you can navigate these difficult moments that are surely in front of all of us as we keep moving forward in, uh, I've heard somebody describe this as the heart-wrenching maze of life. And having these resources can help us get through these moments because of course this is then where we find these many, many moments of joy regardless of how difficult life can be because of the fact that it's tough. So I would encourage you to remember this and I hope that this is helpful. This is helpful for me as I just reflect on this and want to participate in this gathering of, you know, it's, it's not even a virtual meeting and they said it a day and a time for us to then send our love and appreciation and support to this wonderful individual. And I think we can leverage that for the people in our lives as well. So I thank you guys for being here with me again. Again, I love being able to do this uh, with you and I hope that this has been helpful as I always do. And I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Take care. Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey.